Welcome to this episode called Why We Judge Our Parents. My name is Angelica and I'm a relationship coach and belief change coach. And in today's episode, we're going to look at judgments, at projections, at disowned parts and how that all shows up in our relationships. So I've got a question for you. Do your children seem judgmental of some of the things you do? especially if they're teenage or young adult children? Or do you feel triggered into judgment and a lack of compassion in regards to your own parents and what they do? Does one of your parents do something that really gets on your nerves and that you judge? When I teach the Shadow Energetics Workshop, where we look at disowned parts, at what lives in our shadows, what other people trigger for us, I give examples for how couples carry each other's shadow traits. Couples are often identified with the opposite energy. Let's say one person in the marriage or relationship is more emotional, the other one is more rational and so on. I also give examples how siblings are often functioning from opposites. For example, the older of two siblings might be identified with responsibility, the second one perhaps with more irresponsibility. And I give examples how children trigger our own shadows as parents. And when I was teaching day one of a training last weekend, it occurred to me that I don't highlight as much that children are also triggered by the shadow traits their parents mirror to them. Our parents reflect to us what we have disowned in ourselves And we do the same for our kids. Henry Ward Beecher points out that we don't really know the extent of the love our parents felt for us as children until we have become a parent, a mother or father ourselves. And that's a beautiful quote. And I would like to add that we also don't know what it feels like to be judged by our children until it happens to us. So that experience of walking in the parental shoes gives us a different perspective on how our parents were struggling with things. Because being the parent means that we're mirroring shadow traits for our children, especially for our teenage or young adult children. And I can tell you, it's uncomfortable to be at the receiving end of those projections. But we need to keep in mind that this is not about us, as much as it feels that way at times. But it's about what our children have learned to disown. And we may even have taught them to disown that particular trait or energy. So I'll give you an example. When it comes to technology or other, other modern day problems that need solving, I have to admit I'm quick to throw my hands up in the air and go into helplessness. And my daughters have always helped and they used to be proud to help. But lately, there has been some impatience from their side. They pride themselves on being independent and able to problem solve well. At their age, they're 22 and 17, they have disowned their own neediness for outside support a bit. It appears to them as a quality that's not desirable, a shadow they have renounced. And ironically, raising my daughters, I have always affirmed their independence and encouraged them to put their mind to problem solving. That was probably important to me when I raised them because my own mother mirrored helplessness to me. 
So independence is a very useful quality. At the same time, we're naturally interdependent as human beings. Gabomati says, we are mammalian creatures who depend upon interaction and mutual support. So helping others with an open heart and gracefully accepting help from them in return, that connects us on a heart-to-heart level and it fosters greater compassion and understanding for one another. And what would society look like if everybody just took care of themselves without extending a helping hand? No energy is bad or wrong. So being independent is fabulous, but being able to ask for help is as useful and beneficial as being independent. So as a parent, it's my job not to take the response of a younger generation personally, but to keep mirroring this shadow to them, this shadow of helplessness, (laughs) needing help, until they are ready to embrace their own neediness or helplessness. We actually need to learn from each other in this situation. My daughter's independence encourages me to problem solve more myself before turning to somebody for help, to Google something before I ask them. But having grown up in an age where doing research meant going to the library, I just sometimes forget that we have all the answers at the tips of our fingers today. At the same time, my children also need to be connected with that energy of neediness. As humans, we are all needy. We're needy for emotional support and for practical help from each other. So mirrors and projections show up differently. According to author James Gilliland, who has written about the seven seen mirrors, one of those seven mirrors literally reflects our parents to us. He says, let me read this quote out to you, It is often said we marry our father or mother. We often also become them, acting out the same healthy and unhealthy patterns we learned as a child. And I have to say, I used to see my mother as overly fearful and helpless, especially when something unforeseen occurred. And I also judged her for what I perceived from the outside as settling, settling for a situation she was not happy with. Once my sister and I had grown up, she was clearly bored. There wasn't much left to do for her. Um, And I used to question why she didn't find something new, something that was challenging and fulfilling for her. And today, I certainly have much more fears than I had when I was 20. So my daughter's courage sometimes leaves me breathless. When the older one travels all over the world by herself, or the younger one charges forward without fear of rejection, I have to remind myself that they're safe and to trust them to be okay. So in some ways, when it comes to those fears, I've become my mother. Those fears have probably always been there, but I had disowned them and now they're surfacing. And we have to say the horizon of the next generation always seems a bit broader and it's a surprisingly different world. I also noticed today that the appeal of a temptation of what's familiar is strong. Staying in our comfort zone is tempting. Starting something new can require a lot of positive self-talk and belief changes. It has a scary element to it. And I did not have that empathy when I was younger. 
when I was just starting out my life. And I lacked the understanding that what my mother was mirroring to me was what I had disowned in myself at that age. So sometimes we realize that we have become somewhat like our parents. Other times we wake up to the fact that we're married to our father or mother, just as um, that quote said. By that I mean the person we're in a long-term relationship with or we're married to seems to be like our mother or father. And in an older blog, I wrote about Benjamin, who grew up with a stepfather, who was an angry alcoholic. And Ben learned that anger is nothing but destructive. It's just bad. And he also learned that he's weak and helpless when confronted with it. So then 10 years down the road, before Ben realizes it, he's married to Grete, a partner who is, in that one important way, a replica of his stepfather. She didn't appear to be angry when they first married, but their interactions bring this energy to the surface. Because when they first came together, she was already more comfortable with anger, having grown up in a, a South American household that's more expressive with all sorts of emotions. And Ben was not comfortable with anger at all due to his history. And over time, they have polarized further into those opposites. So when Greta is frustrated, she hides her vulnerability behind anger and she even tends to yell. Ben, however, has learned to be afraid of anger and aggression. So when somebody only slightly raises their voice, not to mention starts yelling, his reptilian brain instantly goes into the fight, flight or freeze response. And this happens to most of us because... We have learned to perceive anger as a threat cue. But Ben is really hypersensitive to this due to his upbringing. And the more Ben freezes and avoids his wife, instead of communicating what's going on for him, he's just not capable of communicating that at that time. But the more he does that, the more disconnected and the more invisible Greta feels and the louder she becomes, desperately trying to get through to him, desperately trying to be heard by him. So they are caught in a cycle of frustration because of these energies. Ben feels unsafe and unloved, just as he felt during childhood. He feels resentful and judges Grete for being too angry. And Grete feels invisible and unimportant, which is her childhood experience. She perceives his stonewalling as a danger cue and, if you like, as a counterattack. Ben, of course, shuts down because he feels powerless. Also, he feels controlled, just as he did when he was growing up. And as a child, he felt terrified of his stepfather's anger. And by the time he was a teenager, this fear had actually turned into stubborn resistance. Ben perfected the non-response, completely still face, no reaction at all, and a quiet defiance of that man that he hated. That was his survival strategy of not letting his stepfather get to him. And Grete mirrors his stepfather to him, and he cannot help himself. He flips either into that helpless little boy or into the stubborn teenager, 
and both of course is not very productive for their relationship. In that quiet defiance and non-response lies Ben's power and he's unaware how this dynamic perpetuates the problems they have in their marriage. Even though Greta seems to be the strong one, the aggressive one, underneath the tip of the anger iceberg is always a more vulnerable experience. And if you want to find out more about what's underneath anger, you can read my blog or you can listen to my podcast called Sitting on the Anger Iceberg with You. But to get back to Ben and Grete, anger lives in Ben's shadow. Because it's an energy he's disconnected from and fears, he's bound to attract it into his life through other people, like his wife or other people, until he integrates this shadow quality, until he brings it to his conscious awareness and integrates this into his whole being. Grete judges Ben for being weak and passive. And the only way out for Ben and Greta is to embrace the opposite energy more. So Ben needs to do what perhaps seems counterintuitive and he needs to get in touch with his own anger. That's there. It's just suppressed. It's in the shadow. And he needs to stand up calmly and assertively. And that will allow Greta to embrace the opposite energy, to be more in her female energy, be softer and gentler. And she's allowing him at the same time to be more masculine and strong. So by taking steps towards each other, they're both becoming more whole and they're able to communicate and interact more productively. So have you ever wondered in which ways other people mirror your mother or your father to you? Or in which ways are you mirroring a disowned part for your own children? Are you experiencing some judgment from them? If you want to work on your own triggers and shadows so that you can live more conscious relationships, you can contact me for, for a free phone consultation. And um, I offer individual sessions as well as couple sessions. Again, my name is Angelica. The phone number is 905 286 or you can, of course, email me to greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca. Thank you very much for joining me today and for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye.